Welcome into the Access Health Radio question and answer show. Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be discussing questions that we've received recently and the answers to them on Access Health Radio. I'm Mike Davis. Thanks for joining us this Sunday afternoon on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. We do have a different format today. We're not going to be focusing on one topic. Instead, we're going to be going over a multitude of most asked questions that Dr. Forrest has received over the last year. Remember, you can submit your future questions for the show at accesshealthradio.com. So, Dr. Forrest, here's our first question. Uh, What's on the mind of a lot of listeners right now is, when will the COVID-19 crisis be over? Dust off your crystal ball. What are we looking at? Well, I'm I'm not a psychic or a prophet, so (laughs) I cannot accurately predict the future. However, there are two things to consider. First, if the virus was to follow a traditional natural course of infection, you know, like many other common viruses do, we would expect that once most of the people had been exposed, say over about 75%, that the transmission would slow way down and the circulating virus would basically decrease dramatically so that new cases were rare. Um, Without a vaccine, that would probably occur in the next 18 months or so. However, if we get a vaccine that is at least 70% effective, then as soon as the combination of people who have received the vaccine combined with the number of people that have natural antibodies gets to that same level of more than 75%, then that should also make it die down. So, you know, if we get a vaccine that starts getting given widely around the first of the year, I think that by next summer, this awful pandemic would be mostly in our rearview mirror. My only concern is that we do not even know yet how long a vaccine or natural infection is going to provide antibodies to COVID-19. Hopefully, they're going to provide immunity for at least a year. However, some studies so far have said that natural antibodies may decrease in as little as three months. So it really is a long answer to the question, Mike, but I think by this time next year, transmission rates and new infections will be very, very low, and we will be mostly back to normal. There is a possibility, though, that we might need to get booster vaccinations for COVID going into the future. Okay, now you brought up vaccines, so I'm going to I'm going to piggyback on that just for a second, because a lot of people get flu shots. Uh, What about those flu shots and other vaccines that people normally get? Is that going to be important to, to do this year? Yes, uh, getting the flu shot this year is going to be more important than ever. Think about this. If in the fall, hospitals get full of COVID patients, what happens to someone who gets pneumonia from the flu? If there was a one year that you ever wanted to get the flu shot, this is it. Uh, you know, we're, we're providing it free to our member patients, and we will even provide it on a walk-in basis to anyone who comes to our office needing it. Uh, We have ordered much more flu vaccine this year, and we'll start giving it as soon as we get our vaccine in September. Other vaccines are also really important, especially pneumonia vaccine and also pertussin or what people call the whooping cough vaccine. Um, It's often contained in a type of booster for tetanus shot. And we provide both of those types of uh, immunizations on a walk-in basis. Um, And pertussis, a lot of people don't really think about that, but most of us were immunized as children for whooping cough. But immunity wanes as we get older, and we have seen a resurgence of that in certain pockets in the United States. And the problem is you don't want to be sick with anything this winter. You don't want the flu. 
You don't want whooping cough. You don't want to have any reason to be in the hospital because the hospital may be full of people with COVID-19. Um, so for anyone that has trouble finding those vaccines, or if your physician cannot do them before the fall, please feel free to come to our office in Apex and we, we can provide those for you. All right. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. Straight ahead, more questions from you for Dr. Forrest, including some more questions on COVID-19. That's straight ahead here on Access Health Radio. Welcome into Access Health Radio with board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest. His office, Access Healthcare, is in Apex. I'm Mike Davis. Thanks for joining us this afternoon on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. And we're taking some of the most asked questions for Dr. Forrest over the past year and uh, answering them right here for you this afternoon. Our next question is about, you guessed it, COVID-19, Dr. Forrest. I know that Many companies, even airports, are taking people's temperature to see if they're sick before letting them go to work. Actually, I have to do that here at the radio station or before they go into public. How reliable, quite frankly, is uh, taking your temperature as uh, an indicator of COVID-19? Boy, oh boy, this is uh, this is a tough question. Um, so, so, Mike, I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, the truth is taking temperature is really poor. Um, I think that, you know, it is a way to catch some people that, uh, you know, might be entering an airport or an establishment that did have COVID-19 and had a fever. Um, but our best estimate right now, looking at the, the people so far that have come down with COVID-19 infections, is that, you know, as many as 50 to 60 percent of them uh, may not have any fever at all and be contagious. Mm. So, so, you know, if you're using temperature as a way to screen for illness, um, does it do something? Yes. It's going to catch some people who would have had a fever. Of course, that fever is not specific. It could be from lots of other things besides COVID. Um, but the, the downside is you're going to miss a lot because, and that's the reason we're having to basically all treat each other as if we're all contagious is that up to half of people have no symptoms at all, including no fever and uh, can be contagious. And even people who get a fever or become symptomatic with COVID-19 at some point, many of them may go several days where they don't have any symptoms and don't have any fever, but are still contagious. And so, um, you know, does it help some? It probably does, but, you know, for, you know, we do it at our office, of course, people entering the building, we wanna make sure that the sick people go on this, into the sick suite. And the people who aren't sick, we try to send on the, the uh, sort of asymptomatic side. Um, but we have to be honest with ourselves and realize that, you know, we're missing half of the people uh, that have COVID-19 and could be contagious just by checking temperature. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine uh, told me the other day, and he has tested positive for COVID. The only symptom that he has shown is he's lost his sense of smell. And that hasn't right. returned yet. And uh, he tested positive at the beginning of July, and he still hasn't gotten that back. Other than that, he says he's fine. Yes, and the, the smell symptom is, is something we've heard several times. But even that, that symptom's not even present in everybody. So mm -hmm. it's a disease with a, a lot of variability, depending on who gets it. Um, and so that's really important that, that we just don't know who's got it without some type of test. So, you know, and it's really hard to test people for COVID as they enter the building. You know, you can't do that as somebody's entering a restaurant. Although hopefully 
uh, we're going to get some of the bureaucracy and regulatory uh, hurdles cleared to let physicians be able to freely do antibody testing. And once we get where, you know, physicians can easily, without having to jump through a whole lot of hoops, you know, do the antibody testing, then we're going to be able to let people know in 10 minutes. And we've got plenty of availability of those tests. Um, so I think that's a more reliable way to know if somebody's been exposed uh, or potentially if they're still contagious than uh, the temperature. All right. Well, we're going to shift gears here a little bit and uh, go on to the next batch, which is not COVID-19 related. This next question is about a topic you've discussed here on the show before called warm sculpting. Some people call it laser lipo, I believe. Does that work? And how long does it last? And is it expensive? So kind of a a three-part question for you about warm sculpting. Right. So warm sculpting is, um, as opposed to cool sculpting, which is another technology, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, utilizes a laser. Um, it's a laser that, that basically will penetrate the skin without causing any damage or without even heating the skin on the surface and penetrates down to the fat layers. And it's able to remove 25% of body fat in an area um, just with 25-minute treatments. Um, so it's very effective um, as opposed to cool sculpting, you know, after the procedure's over, there's no uh, residual pain or discomfort usually or anything like that. Um, it gives very smooth sort of results. Um, it is uh, expensive um, because the equipment is very expensive. It's cutting edge equipment. It's not just something that's going to, you know, uh, give your skin frostbite and the tissue underneath that and damage it. It it actually uses a selective laser at a very specific wavelength that just destroys fat cells without damaging other tissues. Um, and so it is costly. Uh, you know, the average is probably, you know, around a thousand dollars per treatment. Um, probably the average person ends up getting about three treatments. Um, but you know, for somebody who's got a problem area and they're trying to remove uh, like love handles or, you know, people who have, you know, they're in great shape, but they just have a bulge somewhere or they have, you know, they're, outer thighs are bigger than they like or something like that. It's a great solution because, you know, it works very quickly. Um, it's permanent uh, reduction of the fat cells in that area. Um, so it is it is quite different than uh, cool sculpting, but warm sculpting also goes by the name sculpture. Um, so that's something else people can uh, research if they'd like to. Okay. Thanks, Dr. Forrest. This is Access Health Radio. Thanks for joining us on this Sunday afternoon and uh, sort of a grab bag of subjects this afternoon as we take a look at questions that have been submitted to Dr. Forrest over the past year. Dr. Forrest, I just heard that North Carolina has passed a law that actually supports the type of practice model that you have discussed on the show before. It's called direct primary care. Can you tell us about that once again? Because I think there's a lot of interest in that right now. Yes. So uh, what was called uh, HB 471 uh, was approved in almost a unanimous vote by the North Carolina legislature and signed by the governor. If you can believe that, actually something that had support from Democrats and Republicans that they could both agree on. It's shocking. (laughs) Uh, But Uh, You know, getting direct primary care, which has been called one of the best money moves by Consumer Reports magazine, basically involves paying a monthly membership fee outside of traditional insurance that makes it so you can get primary care whenever you need it without copays. And it works just like a gym membership. You pay a low monthly fee, usually sort of similar to the cost of a gym membership. 
And when you see the doctor, get a physical, get flu shots, office visits, or almost anything else that's commonly done at that doctor's office, there's no copay. There's no other charge. Uh, it's just included in your membership, your monthly membership. So the bill for services is 100% covered by the membership. So, you know, whether somebody comes in one, once, twice, 10 times a year, the same as with a gym, their cost is the same. So we basically created a gym membership for primary care. Uh, you know, whether somebody gets their cholesterol tested or diabetes tested or EKGs, still that's included in the monthly membership. And the law basically in North Carolina that just passed says that direct primary care, which is also known as DPC, is not a form of insurance and therefore it does not have the restrictions of insurance regulations. And a key advantage is that it makes primary care much more affordable for people with and without insurance. Uh, people that don't have insurance save about 80% on their primary care costs uh, or more in this type of setting. And those with insurance, when they come to a practice like this, they don't even have to pay the copays. Uh, and I'm really excited about it because, uh, you know, as you know, our practice in Apex has operated in a, a direct primary care model now for almost two decades. And studies are now showing that patients are less likely to end up in the hospital who go to a DPC physician, um, that they're more likely to have their chronic medical conditions like blood pressure well controlled, and all of that at a lower cost than using traditional insurance for primary care. So, you know, I think the passage of this was, uh, was really exciting. Uh, it's been covered by, you know, some of the local media. I know Carolina Journal uh, has uh, done some stuff on it. Um, so very good progress, and it's nice to get a bipartisan bill that actually helps, uh, helps patients. That is exciting. Thanks so much. All right, time now, Dr. Forrest, for the Access Health Tip of the Week. Well, we're always looking for ways to save our patients and listeners on their health care and prescription costs, and medications is a big one. And we've discovered a local gym of a pharmacy in Apex called WeCare. This pharmacy has had terrific customer service for our patients, and it also offers free delivery in the triangle. And the best part is they're normally willing to price match other pharmacies, so you know you're always getting the best price. The number at WeCare is 919-629-6010, and it's WeCareofApex.com. Uh, we appreciate them sponsoring the tip of the week this week. And our tip of the week is that new studies recently, Mike, have shown that some sunscreens do, in fact, go through and penetrate the skin. And components like avobenzone can be getting into the bloodstream. So first, um, you want to generally avoid using spray sunscreens on children if you can. Um, if you do have to use a spray sunscreen, please uh, make it where they can't inhale the aerosol. Uh, you know, spray it on something like mm -hmm. your hand and then rub it on them. Um, and while the FDA has said that we should still use sunscreens while they are studying the effects of these chemicals in the bloodstream, uh, including, I'll, I'll give a short list, avobenzone, oxybenzone, octocrylene, and homosalate, octosalate, and octanoate, lots of uh, stuff to say there. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 they don't know yet if getting into the bloodstream is harmful, but that's under study. But we do know that there are sunscreens that are very safe, typically that don't absorb in, that are zinc oxide or titanium dioxide based. Uh, so the downside is these sunscreens usually are sort of opaque, so they make your skin look sort of white. Uh, it's sort of like a paste on top, mm -hmm. um, but they don't absorb and they're very effective. A lot of times those uh, zinc oxide ones are like SPF 80, 
Um, so if you're really concerned about it soaking in, uh, you're worried about children, be real careful about the ones that have those chemicals until we have some, some more studies on that. Mm -hmm. But again, it's better to have sun, some sunscreen than none at all, because uh, mm -hmm. we know the side effects of no sunscreen is skin cancer. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. And so uh, we, we need that protection. So uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. All right, Dr. Forrest, here's another question. This one keeps popping up. How can patients get prescriptions at a deep discount? You also mentioned one where they could actually earn points and get Amazon credits and gift cards. Ding, ding, ding. Can you describe that more? Yes, there are several discount programs out there, including websites and apps that work, you know, whether or not you have insurance at almost all pharmacies. And my favorite one and the one that most of our patients use is called AHDRX. And you can use the online version at AHDRX.com. That's AHDRX.com. Or you can download the app from iTunes or Google Play by just searching for it under AHD and then space RX. And it is free to download and uh, not only provides you with discounts and points that can earn you things like Amazon gift cards, it also provides lots of health information. You can look up any of your medications. You can check for side effects and drug interactions. Uh, and that's all free. And again, the, the online version is at ahdrx.com. Uh, or again, if you want to go, you can look for it at the App Store. Um, and this is, you know, what I use for my personal prescriptions. And I've also heard that soon they're going to have a mail order option where basically you get it from Costco mail order, even if you're not a member, at a lower than in-store price. So that's very exciting. Well, that is. All right. Straight ahead, uh, some valuable contact information so you can ask Dr. Forrest a question and our Access Health Radio's Trivia of the Week. With board-certified family physician, Dr. Brian Forrest, I'm Mike Davis. This is Access Health Radio. Time now for our Access Health Trivia of the Week. Mike, the trivia this week is a fairly short one and, and fairly simple. What is the largest bone in the human body? Hmm. Any ideas? It's your femur. Hmm. And, and I'm not pulling your leg. <laughs> That's... That's a good one, Doc. That's, a, That's pretty pretty bad. Little huh, little, little little doctor humor there. Huh? That's right. So it's like back back to old Greg Fischel days. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> oh yeah. The puns are plenty with old Greg. All right. Uh, let's transition from that to some contact information. I know folks are going to have questions now that you've answered several. I know that's triggered others. How can folks get in touch with you, Doctor Forrest? Uh, they can send an email to accesshealthradio at gmail.com. They can also call our practice in Apex at 919-363-0190. Again, that's 919-363-0190. And if they need an appointment, they can request that at easyappoint123 at gmail.com. All right, Dr. Forrest, thanks so much. A lot of great information. You answered a lot of questions today. That's all the time we have. And our scripture is from Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show. And we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.